Well, I want to say, first of all, welcome to, to everybody. This is the big day, man. This is Easter Sunday. This is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, you may hear a little bit of a raspiness in my voice. I've had a little, 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 little something last couple weeks, but today I'm going to use it to my advantage. I may, I may get Joe Cocker on you. I'm going to put a little gro- grovel in my voice, and we're going to preach, okay? All right. Um, uh, let, let, me, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive right into our, our last installment of this series. Father, thank you so much uh, for being with us here today on this Easter Sunday. God, this is the day that we celebrate the most important day in the history of the universe, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, This is where our lives are transformed. This is where uh, our hearts are changed and we experience your power, your grace, and your love because of the resurrection. Father, I pray today that that I would be able to speak your word clearly uh, and that uh, every single person here today would have an open heart to hear what you have to say to them today through your word. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to worship together. And we ask you to be with each and every one of us today. May you be honored. May you receive glory uh, from our time here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody feeling good this morning? All right, good. So we're in part five of this series, Down But Not Out. And so if you're just catching up with us, if this is your first time at this series and you're wondering why Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier are on the screen You're just going to have to go on our website to the first installment of this series and check it out Uh, because we've been exploring this theme in the scripture that just because somebody is down doesn't mean they're out. Sometimes we go through valleys in order to get to the victory. Sometimes we go through a little bit of the grind in order to get to the glory. And that's what we've been exploring in this whole series today. And today I want to start with a question for each of you. We're going to actually have a little audience participation this morning, which I just love, because you get to do some of the work, not just me. Um, uh, I want to ask you this morning, how many of you have a scar somewhere on your body, like a, you fell out of a tree, you bonked your head on a dresser, you got a chicken pox, everybody got a scar on your skin somewhere? Okay, now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If that scar is in an appropriate location, I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody around you, show them your scar and tell them how you got it. Tell them the story behind your scar. Just take a moment, turn to somebody, show them your scar, and tell them how you got it. You don't have to give all the gory details, just a general overview of the scar. All right, you got it? Some of you guys are describing all your scars. And then, and then there was this one. And it, you know, it's funny. It's funny because, like, for whatever reason, telling people about your scars and your injuries, like, that's something we just do from the time we're little kids. Like, little kids will sit down and be like, okay, look at this boo-boo, and this is where I fell off my tricycle. You know, they love it, and they're fascinated by it, right? But it doesn't go away. Like, there's also a certain age, when you get up to a certain age, where you start telling people about your scars and your surgeries and your ailments and stuff like that. I mean, I I was at a wedding uh, a while back and I remember a guy at our table at the reception dinner literally pulls up his tuxedo shirt and he's, he shows us his appendectomy scar. He's like, now this is where they cut me open and this is where it took out the pen. And he's like, and we're all like, that's very interesting. Um, Is there another table? Uh, I think I went to table seven. So 
It just, it doesn't get old, right? Um, I'll tell you my scar story. I've got a big old nasty scar on my knee. And I'm not going to show it to you this morning because I want you to come back next Sunday. Um, But I got it from riding my bicycle when I was in college. I was on my way to class and I was running late. And so I'm in Columbia, Missouri. I'm flying uh, up to a four-way stop and I'm at full tilt. I'm at full tilt. And it's at Hit and University. Um, Hit was the appropriate street name for this. Um, Because uh, I'm coming at full tilt. There's vehicles at each of the four-way stop. But they're all looking at each other like, wait a minute, is it your turn? Is it your turn, right? So I'm like, it's my turn. And so I just come flying through the intersection. There's a bus on the other side of the intersection getting ready to make a left-hand turn. So the bus is making a left-hand turn. So I try to cut a little to the right to dodge the bus. I look up and there's a pedestrian, a student, and she's got a backpack on. And it's like a backpack that's sticking out to here with books. And she's got books in her front, like she's holding books. So she's like perfectly balanced. She's got like 200 pounds of books on her person. And I'm on my bike and I cut to get away from the bus. And then I see her and I'm trying to cut back and I caught her, her backpack. Boom. So she just spins around like a ballerina, right? She just like perfectly pirouetting around. I come flying off of my bike and I land on all fours on University Avenue at a very high rate of speed. So now I'm sliding down University Avenue, hands and feet, or hands and knees. I wish hands and feet. Hands and knees. You know, I slide for about, you know, 50 yards or so. You know, I mean, something so long. Maybe not quite. Felt like it. And I stop, and I, 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 know, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. I get up, and I look at her. She's back here. And I go, are you okay? And she goes, yeah. And she looks at me. And she looks down at my knee and she looks back up at me and her face just goes white. It's like she's going to pass out. So I'm like, I'm not going to look down there. I'm just going to keep trucking. So I'm like, okay. I get on my bike. Somehow it still works. And I start pedaling with just my left leg all the way to class. I'm like pedaling going, I'm not sure, but I don't think this is good. So I get to class. My knee is starting to stiffen up. I walk into class. I sit down, and about, about 10 minutes into class, the adrenaline starts to wear off. And you know, that adrenaline will get you through some stuff. And, and, and so I'm sitting there in class, and I don't want to be too graphic, but like I can feel blood going into my boot, like down my leg. And I'm like, and now the pain is radiating from the knee everywhere. And so I get up, and I walk out into the hallway, and finally for the first time I look down, my pants are ripped wide open. I look down and I go, that's a patella. You know what a patella is? That's your kneecap. Um, and it's just what you would imagine. It's like a white bone. And you just, I'm looking at it and I'm like, that is not supposed to be showing. It's, um, it's not supposed to be visible through the skin. So I make my way, sorry, am I totally grossing you guys? The front row is just like, Whoa! So I get to the nurse's office. And they're like, yeah, we can see your patella. So they like, they start pulling the skin back together and stitching it up and stitching, stitching. Okay. Anyway, turns out that I have a really nasty scar on my knee. So that's my scar story. There was nobody for me to tell up here. So I just had to tell all of you guys at the same time. Um, we all have scars, right? Now, our skin scars, the scars that we experience on our outside, they're actually sometimes kind of fun to talk about. They're kind of gory and so forth, and they're kind of fun to, to, to share. 
But we also have scars in our soul. And these scars are called soul scars. And soul scars are not something that we like to talk about. Soul scars are not the kind of thing we sit around and share with other people. Soul scars are the things that people don't know about us and can't see about us, but we carry them around from wounds that we received that maybe have healed, but the scar remains. And the scar is still tender. Some of our soul scars that you have and I have are self-inflicted. Bad decisions that we made at some point in our past that led us down a wrong path, that harmed us, wounded us, hurt us, and maybe the wound is healed, but the scar still remains. Some of those soul scars are scars that we receive from somebody else. Some, somebody betrayed our trust. Somebody that we put our trust in when we were vulnerable harmed us in some way that they weren't supposed to. They were supposed to protect us and they hurt us. And that leaves a scar on our soul. Some of our soul scars we feel have been inflicted upon us by God. We've experienced the loss of a loved one, a tragedy, a sickness, a death, and we don't know where it came from and we don't know why it happened, but it's a wound that we received in our soul and maybe the wound is healed or maybe it's healing, but there's a scar there. There was a man in the, in the mid-80s, actually a, a teenage boy. His name was Dan Ariely. And Dan lived in Israel. His parents actually, when he was, before he was born, moved to the United States uh, for his dad to get a better education and make a better life for their family. And then they went back to Israel. And, uh, and Dan was an 18-year-old boy when tragedy struck in their home. Uh, Dan was getting ready for a, a graduation ceremony and, and, and they had gone to prepare for this graduation ceremony and there were going to be explosions and lights and all this kind of stuff. And Dan was supposed to be setting some things up and somehow a magnesium flare exploded inches from his face. And this very bright, funny, inquisitive, curious teenage kid suddenly was engulfed in flames. His entire body body was engulfed in flames. Uh, The room that he was in was engulfed in flames. He says it was like slow motion, seeing his body on fire and seeing the fire around him. He ran out of the room, threw himself on the ground, and the fire was was put out. He was rushed to the hospital, but over 70% of his body had received third-degree burns. And it was not just on the outside where the wounds were so raw. It was on the inside. He, in this moment, in the moment of his greatest pain, in the moment of his greatest agony, began to wonder if his life was over. He was hanging between life and death. No one even knew if he would continue to live. All of his dreams, all of his hopes, all of his aspirations slowly started to slip through his fingers as he lay writhing in pain on the hospital bed. Today, I want to preach on a topic called, show me your scars. Show me your scars. Because today as part of this down but not out series, I want to propose to you that sometimes the source of our greatest pain becomes the expression of our greatest purpose. Sometimes God uses our experience of greatest pain in our life to lead us to the expression of our greatest purpose. Sometimes the most difficult thing that you experience in your life the hardest thing that you experience in your life, the greatest discomfort that you experience in your life can lead you to the expression 
of your greatest purpose. Today, I want to talk about uh, a disciple that I particularly like. His name is Thomas. And Thomas, I like because he's, he's just real. Thomas is one of these guys who's kind of contrary. He could have been a good lawyer. His name, Thomas, it actually means Didymus, which means twin. In other words, this guy is somebody who always saw two sides of things. If you said to Thomas, hey man, it's raining outside, he'd say, prove it. If you said the sky is blue, he'd say, prove it. He was one of these guys who, he was a little calloused, he was a little jaded, he was, he had, maybe he had some soul scars in his life. Maybe he had been through some things that made him really question everything that anybody said. My, my three-year-old is actually going through this right now. He, 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 doesn't, he used to believe everything I say and, and said, and now he believes nothing that I say. Like everything I say, he says the opposite. The other day, he said, he called my wife, Rebecca. He said, that's your mom. And I go, well, actually, no, that's not my mom. Um, that's my wife. I said, that's your mom. He said, no, that's your mom. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he goes, yes, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. And, he, and, and literally, he gets up off the couch, and he like mad dogs me. He goes, yes, it is. And I'm like, whatever, dude, you're three. You're like clueless. So talk to the hand. And I like walked away. But um, Thomas wasn't quite that bad. Thomas, <laughs> that's how I treat my three-year-old. Talk to the hand, son. So I'm still the boss of you. Um, so, so Thomas wasn't quite that bad, but, but like Thomas, if you told him something, he was always going to come at you with a different angle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see about that. You know, I, I personally think Thomas may have had some spiritual scars. Like, like he had been disappointed, maybe, maybe by some spiritual leaders had let him down before, you know, uh, some of you guys that are here today, you don't go to church normally because somewhere in your past, you experienced something in a church and a spiritual leader let you down and it hurt you and you've got a little scar right there and it's tender. And anytime you get around the church environment or church people, you're like, I'm going to be a little cagey. I'm going to be a little cautious. I've been hurt before and I don't want to get hurt again. That was Thomas. And so... Thomas, like all of the disciples, he had put all of his, even through his skepticism and cynicism, he had put all of his hopes, all of his dreams, all of his aspirations into Jesus. He had said, I am going in with this guy. And for three years, he devoted his entire life to Jesus. He believed that Jesus was going to free his people from Roman oppression. He believed that Jesus was going to lead them, you know, to victory. He had all these ideas and beliefs. So just like everybody else on Thursday night, he was devastated. When Jesus was arrested and tried and convicted. And he was completely, completely, uh, uh, completely devastated on Friday um, when when Jesus was taken up and and hung on a cross. Uh, All of his dreams, all of his hopes, all of his aspirations bled out in that moment. And so on Sunday, because Sabbath had happened and he was just still devastated. And Sunday, some folks came to him, his other disciples, and said, hey, here's what they said. They said, Thomas, they said, listen, we have seen the risen Lord. In John 20, he says, we have seen the risen Lord. Now, Thomas is in no mood to hear this kind of crazy talk. Thomas is a, is a skeptic. He's a cynic. He's not listening to this. He's already been hurt once. He doesn't want to get hurt again. He's already been 
uh, uh, fooled once and he's a guy who prides himself on his intellectual rigor. And so when these people come to him and say, we've seen Jesus, he's risen from the dead. Thomas says, I don't buy it. In fact, here's what he says. I love it. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. A lot of things Thomas could have said here. Thomas could have said, unless I see his face, unless I see his radiant shining glory, unless I hear his voice, I won't believe. But that's not what he said. He said, I'm not going to believe until I see his scars. I want to make sure that I'm not seeing an apparition. I want to make sure that I'm not having a hallucination. I want to make sure that I'm not seeing an angel. I want to make sure that the guy who says he's the risen savior is the guy that I saw suffer on Friday. I want to, I want to make sure that the guy who's claiming to have the victory is the guy that I saw vanquished on the cross on Friday. I'm not going to believe him until he shows me his scars. Thomas didn't know it. He was walking straight into a prophecy from 800 years earlier. The prophet Isaiah, who gives these beautiful prophecies about the coming Messiah, didn't focus on the Messiah's strength, didn't focus on the Messiah's majesty, didn't focus on the Messiah's glory. This is what the prophet Isaiah 800 years earlier said about the coming Messiah, Jesus. He said, he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. Prophet Isaiah is saying the experience of the Messiah's greatest pain is going to be the expression of his greatest purpose. He was saying, it's his wounds, it's his scars that are going to heal you. It's his, it's his hurt that's going to bring you hope. It's his wounds that will bring you health and life and vitality. Um, Thomas couldn't possibly imagine uh, how this was going to work because for Thomas, the scars were proof that God had left Jesus. The scars were proof that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. The scars proved that everything he believed in was gone. But see, Jesus, through his crucifixion, was about to prove something else. And he wanted to prove it to Thomas, and he wanted to prove it to me, and he wanted to prove it to you. And that is this. Your scars are not proof that God is through with you. They are evidence of what God has brought you through. Your scars do not prove that God has abandoned you. Your scars are proof that God has brought you through some stuff and there's still something for you to do. Your scars demonstrate that there's more in life for you to accomplish. If you made it through the battle and you're still standing, there's more for you to do. If you made it through the heartbreak and you survived, there's more for you to do. The scars are evidence of what God has brought you through. I, I was in, in high school, when I was in high school, I wrestled from fifth grade to 12th grade. And I love wrestling. And I, I don't, you know, it's an excruciating, ridiculous, horrible sport. And I should have chosen badminton or like croquet. But, but, but I, loved, I loved wrestling. 
And um, uh, Dan Gable, the Olympic wrestler, the greatest Olympic wrestler of all time, says, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Because it's just like the worst, most excruciating sport in the world. And, and every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and they'll say, hey man, were you a wrestler? And, you know, it's not because they remember me from my glorious wrestling days. Um, I would like to think so. I was like, you know, Pattonville Pirates, Lafayette Tournament, 1989. Is that ring a bell? No. Um, no, it's because I have a telltale scar. And it's a, it's, a, it's a scar that a lot of wrestlers have. Lee can, Lee can vouch for this. It's called cauliflower ear. Uh, and what happens is your ear when you're a wrestler, it gets rubbed across the mat enough times that eventually it becomes just a mass of scar tissue. And so my right ear is what they call cauliflower ear, and that's a descriptive term. Mine's not as bad as some, but some actually looks like a nice big head of cauliflower sticking out of your head. Um, but it's about three times as thick as my left ear. And every once in a while, a wrestler, you know, maybe somebody who else who wrestled, will come up and they'll be standing by me in line at the bank or the grocery store and they'll be, hey man, were you a wrestler? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I'll look at their ears. Oh yeah, you were a wrestler too. And, um, and it's nice, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's like a badge of honor. It's like, because the scar that they see proves to them what I've been through. And the scar that I see on them proves to me what they've been through. The scars that you experience in your life are not for you to be ashamed of. They're not for you to be embarrassed about. Even the the dark secret ones, they're not for you to hide from. They're for you to reveal because they are evidence of what God has brought you through. The Apostle Paul, writing years later, says this. He says, I've been shipwrecked. I have been beaten. I've been hungry. I've been naked. I've gotten 40 lashes on my back five times throughout my life. I've had every, I've been stoned and not in the fun way, in the the non-fun way. He said, "I've, I've I've had everything Everything in life happened to me, and, and, and that's a demonstration that God has brought me through. He said, all of these scars, that's proof of what God has brought me through. If you've been through a battle and you've survived, that means God has brought you through something because he's got somewhere for you to go. If you've experienced a heartache and you've made it through, that doesn't mean God's through with you. It means he's got something for you, and, and he's got somewhere for you to go. Apostle Paul says, I wear these scars as a badge of honor of what God has brought me through and where he's got me to go. But Thomas wasn't aware of any of this stuff. Thomas was still under the impression that God had abandoned him, that God had abandoned Jesus, that all hope was lost. And so Thomas was walking around by himself, carrying his own pain by himself, carrying his own heartache by himself, carrying his own guilt by himself, carrying his own shame by himself. Until something happened about a week after Jesus was raised from the dead. The scripture says this. It says, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He said, Thomas, let me show you my scars. Let me show you, Thomas, what I've been through. Because when I show you what I've been through, then you're going to see 
that I've been right there with you in the pain that you've experienced, in the shame that you've experienced, in the hurt that you've experienced, in the heartache that you've experienced. I'm right there with you, Thomas. I felt your pain. I've experienced your pain. I've carried your pain. I'm carrying it now, but I took it all the way to the grave and back. In this moment, Thomas learned something that Jesus wants every single one of us to know. It's it's the gospel summed up in one word by Jesus' life. We learn this, that his greatest hurt is your greatest hope. The greatest pain that Jesus ever experienced led to the greatest purpose that he could have ever expressed. And that is that he's carrying your pain and he's carrying your shame. He's been where you've been. He's experienced the heartache that you've experienced. He's experienced the disappointment that you've experienced. He's experienced the shame that you've experienced. He's experienced the condemnation that you've experienced. And he's borne that and he took it to the grave and he brought it back. He's the victor. His greatest hurt is your greatest hope. A few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now, I was teaching my son, Lincoln, how to ride a bicycle. And we're at the park near my house. And the park near my house has a little downslope, and then it's got a 90-degree turn. And on the sidewalk right there. And so my son, Lincoln, is pretty good at picking up speed, but he's not that great at slowing down. So I see him from across the park flying towards this 90-degree turn, and he's starting to panic. I can, I can feel it radiating off of him. He's flying down this sidewalk, and he's not braking. He's not slowing down, and I'm like, oh my Lord, this is going to happen, and it happens. He tries to take the turn at, at a, you know, 100 miles an hour, and he just goes, yeah, boom, and just flies through the air. He's got a helmet on, flies through the air, crumples onto the ground, screaming and crying. Poor guy. I mean, just like, and I'm all the way across the park on my bike. I'm like, oh man, jump on my bike. I fly over there and he's lying on the ground. Huge tears. When Lincoln cries, it's like these huge tears that come down his face. And I'm, and I'm trying to comfort him. And, and, and I'm trying to like calm him down. And I'm thinking like, how do I do this, right? And I could have said, hey man, you know, you're okay. You know, walk it off, you know. I could have said, I could have said, hey man, you got to start using your brakes. I mean, what's, you know, I could have like, I could have showed him how I use my brakes. No, 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 watch son. You know, see, this is how you stop, right? I mean, I could have done a lot of things and then it hits me. The one thing that I can do that brings him comfort in that moment is I sit down beside him. I pull up my pant leg and I go, hey man, check this out. See, this is what happened when daddy fell off of his bike. I got a big old nasty scar. Look at you. You got a big old nasty And I start showing him that I can relate to his pain, that I can relate to his hurt, that I can relate to his embarrassment, that I can relate to the things that he's feeling right now. And you know what? His little tears, well, first of all, he's really fascinated by my scar. He's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, and those little tears start to dry up because in that moment, he realizes I'm not alone. He realizes somebody else has experienced what I've experienced. Somebody else has felt what I've felt. That's the purpose of the crucifixion. Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, I've felt what you felt. I've been where you've been. I've experienced what you've experienced and I've overcome it. So don't be ashamed of your scars. Don't be ashamed of the stuff that's inside of you that hurts. Don't be ashamed of 
the, the, the condemnation and the guilt and the, the wounds that you've experienced because I've experienced all of them and I've overcome them. I've gone to the depths of the grave and I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave and I've come back. And my greatest purpose is to heal you from your wounds by my wounds. My greatest purpose is to heal you from your heartache by my heartache. He's, he's, he's calling out to each and every one of us and saying, show me your scars. In that moment when Jesus comes to Thomas and he shows him his scars, all the bitterness, all the cynicism, all the anger and callousness falls away. And Thomas looks at him and he says, my Lord and my God. Falls to his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. And from that day forward, Thomas became the most devout, devoted, committed apostle. He went out, the tradition tells us that he actually went all the way to India and began to preach the gospel to the folks in in southeastern tip of India. If you go to South India right now, there are thousands of of Christians on the southern tip of India. They call themselves the Christians of St. Thomas because the greatest pain that Thomas ever felt led to the expression of his greatest purpose. Jesus' greatest pain led to his greatest purpose. And today he's telling each and every one of you, the greatest pain that you've ever experienced in your life can lead you to the greatest expression of your purpose. Dan Ariely did survive the teenage boy who had the 70, uh, 70% of his body was covered in burns. As he was lying in the hospital in Israel, he determined that if he ever got out, he was going to dedicate his life to ensure that other patients would not experience the same kind of excruciating pain that he experienced. 30 years later, Dan Ariely is the world's leading researcher in the field of pain treatment for burn victims worldwide. He's the James B. Duke Professor of Psychology at Duke University uh, and and Behavioral Economics. He's a three-time New York Times bestseller. His TED Talks have been viewed over eight million times, and he attributes his success to the pain that he experienced as a teenage boy. And here's what he says in one of his publications. He says, in addition to being a central part of my self-definition, my injury has also sparked my interest in research questions concerning pain and pain tolerance. My experience, he says, has given me a more relaxed perspective on many aspects of life. Knowing how horrible life can be makes the small daily problems I encounter seem less important, if not altogether meaningless. You see, the experience of his deepest pain became the expression of his greatest purpose. For Jesus, the experience of his deepest pain became the expression of his greatest purpose. And today he's calling each and every one of you and saying, listen, I've felt what you have felt. I've experienced what you've experienced. I've got the scars just like you've got the scars. I've got the wounds just like you've got the wounds. But I've taken them all the way down to something you've never experienced. I went all the way down into death, into the depths of the tomb, into hell. And I came back to prove to you that your pain is not the end of the story. 
that there's more to your life than what you're experiencing right now. That your hopes and your dreams and your fears and your condemnation don't have to be the end of the story because he has won the victory. Today I'm going to have you sing with us and with our, with our band as we close out. I want to read you the lyrics of this song. It says, by his stripes we are healed. By his nail-pierced hands we're free. By his blood we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. He has won it all. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen king, seated in majesty. You are the risen king. Your life is not over. Your pain is not the final story. Your failure is not the end of your story. Because Jesus proves that just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. Your scars don't don't mean that God abandoned you. They're proof of what God has brought you through. And today on Easter Sunday, we raise our hearts, we raise our voices, we raise our hopes and our minds, and we sing, hallelujah, you have won the victory. Hallelujah, you have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. Sin could not hold you back. Even the grave could not hold you back. You have won the victory. Let's all stand together right now. And as our band sings, join them in song, singing hallelujah, you have won the victory.
glad? Aren't you glad that it doesn't end with the crucifixion? Aren't you glad it ends with victory? Aren't you glad it ends with the empty tomb? Through his scars, through his scars, he fulfilled his purpose, which is to free you from yours. Through his pain, through his pain, he experienced his purpose, which is to lead you out of your pain which is to free you from your struggle, which is to free you from your burden and your sin. He's here today. And I want to say to anybody that's here, that's like Thomas, that's saying, I'm not so sure, show him your scars. Show him your scars and and see if he doesn't start to heal you from the inside out. See if he doesn't start to redeem you from the inside out. See if he doesn't start to liberate you from the inside out.